gosh. Well, this is fun. Telling the church you're leaving and then you preach. What a joy. Um, as Dan mentioned, um, we're not actually going anywhere until the summer. So, uh, yeah, we look forward to connecting and um, saying goodbye, but um, not quite going quite yet. So we're fully invested in our time here um, before we go anywhere. Um, shall we read the Bible together? There's a passage going to come up on the screen if you haven't got your Bible. Um, or get your phone out. I find it really helpful to get your phone out. And then you know, on the Holy Bible, you can highlight things that really stick out. That's really helpful. Um, we're going to read about Jesus being anointed at Bethany as we continue our series and as we journey through Lent. It says this, John 12, verses 1 to 11. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had risen from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honour. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For an account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. I'm not sure about you, but I'm not a massive fan of tense, awkward moments. Like preaching once you've just told the church you're leaving. Or maybe those moments where it's just a bit uncomfortable. You know, those moments in a conversation with a close friend and it just gets a bit strange. Or maybe you're one of those people who just doesn't like attention on you so when you're going into a restaurant and you're trying to find the perfect table and you move three times before you find that table it's awkward uh, maybe an example um, obviously not myself experiencing this one but you might have once sat with your father-in-law um, watching a 12 um, rated film and then a scene comes on and it's really awkward because this should not have been a 12 and this is really strange sitting next to your father-in-law watching this particular scene I'm one of those guys that even when it comes to X Factor and you hear someone singing and they're trying to do really well and actually they just can't sing. They're out of tune. And you think this is so awkward, not just because the judges are the first people this person has ever heard that he can't actually sing, but he's never had anyone in his life tell him that he can't sing. He's got to that moment in life. Perhaps for you it's something else. I don't know. But as far as awkward moments go, this story is right up there. In this story, can you imagine, as Jesus knows what he's going to, he knows that he's going to the cross, he knows that he's going to be handed over. He just wants unity with his followers, with those around him. He wants people around him that see the best in each other and give each other the benefit of the doubt. But no, the tension's cracking in the air and we read a dinner was given in Jesus' honour. And Martha served, which is consistent with the picture we have of Martha. 
In the book of Luke, we read how she's busy, she's cooking, she's making sure that all the guests have enough food in front of them. And we read that Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with Jesus, by the way, just having been raised from the dead. And then enter Mary. In that culture, you know, for anyone in your home, you're supposed to have been serving and hosting the dinner, not interrupting it. But Mary, she takes the perfume and not only anoints Jesus' head as we read in other accounts, but as we read in John's account, anoints his feet and wipes them with her hair. Martha, you would assume, would be thinking, here we go again. Mary not getting involved where she needs to. Mary going over the top. Mary being unnecessary. Mary being attention-seeking. Mary being extravagant. This is an extravagant act in that culture. It's way over the top. And people would have felt so uncomfortable. Just to kind of give a bit of context to this, actually, Rich, will you just help me a sec? Could you... um, Oh, yeah, thanks so much. I just need to do my hair, actually. Is that all right? (laughs) Sorry, it just got a bit floppy. Thanks so much. It's good to have an odd illustration for a moment like this, isn't it? It's odd. It's strange. It's attention-seeking. It has an impact. It actually, in this example, created a laugh. There is no one laughing in this example here, in this story. But Mary didn't care. She was devoted to Jesus and wanted to show extravagant love and didn't care what others thought of that action. She knew that extravagant love was costly. Do you know, for us, as followers of Jesus, we need to know that our extravagant love is going to be costly. Following Jesus is costly. It's amazing. It's a privilege. We get to see so much and we get to be with Jesus in those tough moments and we get to play our part in seeing people come to him. But it's costly. It's tough. And I'm really sorry if you didn't know it wasn't a straightforward life, but it isn't. With Mary, what we see is that true devotion to God involves sacrifice. Mary was willing to give up something that was so valuable to her in order to honour Jesus. In the same way, we are called to give up our own desires and interests in order to follow Jesus. In this story, we hear that Mary takes a pint of pure nard. This is an expensive perfume and would have been found in India, the mountains in India, and it pour, it's all poured all over Jesus' feet. This act of love was not a cheap act of love. It wasn't easy. It cost us something, both financially and emotionally. Mary's perfume, for context, was worth a year's wages, 300 denarii in value. And the average wage in Brighton, I've read up, is £30,000 a year. Imagine pouring out 30k out of a bottle of perfume or aftershave lavishly pouring it on Jesus. It would seem she's giving everything she has in this moment to Jesus. But she's willing to make the sacrifice. She's willing to show that deep love and devotion for Jesus. What about us? Am I willing to love Jesus extravagantly, even if it costs me something, let alone everything? But what she does is not just an extravagant act, it's also a humble act. Later, John talks about how the disciples themselves didn't even wash his feet. 
even though they'd witnessed this display of Mary bathing his feet with this perfume. In addition to this, being extravagant and humble is an outrageous act. Women in that era never took their hair down in public, except in front of their husbands. What Mary did would have been shocking to the guests, a lot more shocking than me spraying my hair right now. Uncomfortably intimate, but she doesn't care who sees. She was willing to suffer embarrassment in her devotion to Jesus. She was willing to be misunderstood by those around her. And if, if Mary had taken into consideration what others thought, I wonder, do you think she would have given that kind of praise and that kind of moment and love to Jesus? Jesus simply was worth everything to her. Mary's saying, Jesus, you're worthy of my sacrifice, my surrender. You're worthy of what I own and my reputation. Reputation's an interesting one, isn't it? I remember a number of years ago, I was at one of Rachel's friend's wedding and I kind of got through two days without having to kind of say what I did and just got a lot of small talk and uh, came to kind of the wedding day and got sat next to someone and said, so what do you do for your job? This was a number of years ago now. Um, and I said, well, I, um, I, I work with like universities um, and I like put on events. And they're like, oh, okay, so you're an an events manager for universities. Well, no, and I also like counsel students as well at the same time. It's like, oh, so you're like an events counsellor at university. Um, and I was like, oh, I smiled and kind of got that moment of, I've got to get over this right now. And I told them that actually I work for a church and I'm a student pastor. And do you know what? I ended up having the most remarkable conversation with that person. I ended up having an incredible opportunity because inevitably, as happens all the time now, most recently at jury service, which is for another time, and that was a privilege, um, I get asked the question, well, what do you do? How did you end up doing that? And we get an opportunity to share our story. We get an opportunity to interweave our story with Jesus' story. We get an opportunity to share our faith with people. We get to talk to people about how Jesus has changed our lives. 1 Peter 3 verse 5 says, always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have in Jesus. If we want to see our families, our friends, our colleagues, our sphere of influence come to know Jesus, then we've got to begin to talk about him when we get the opportunity. Can I pose a challenging question which only you yourself can answer in your own heart and your own head today? Are you embarrassed, like I was a number of years ago, to tell people that you're a follower of Jesus because sometimes our fear of what others think can be so crippling. Do you know, in another account of this same story, Mark suggests that Mary broke the jar that contained the perfume. In other words, there was no going back for her now. She was all in. She was all in with all of her life. For some of us, maybe that's a question for us to ask. Have I given you some of me or all of me? Jesus. Following Jesus often costs us something, reputation, being misunderstood. It often looks a bit messy. It may, it may even interrupt what's going on around us. It may mean laying our own pride, our own reputation, our own agenda down at the opportunity to bring Jesus the glory as we follow the Holy Spirit's lead. Do you know that in the last decade, 900,000 Christians have lost their lives because of their faith in Jesus? For context, this last week, 
It's going to come up on the screen because I've forgotten the stat. But for this last week, how many is it, David? 250, sorry, per day, which I think equates to one every six minutes. So by the time I finish speaking this morning, three or four Christians would have died for their faith. There is a cost to this relationship with Jesus. And of course, we in this world, in England, we probably won't have to die for our faith. But our relationship with Jesus should cost us something. And it might mean having to have our reputation questioned at times as well. Mary understood this. She understood the cost of following Jesus. So this week, what cost, what costly act of devotion is Jesus calling you to? What outward act of for caring for someone else is he calling you to as an expression both of your devotion and of his love for this world? Extravagant love is costly, but extravagant love is also powerful. When Mary anointed Jesus' feet, the fragrance we read filled the room. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume and everyone could smell it. It was powerful. It was a tangible expression of her love and devotion. And Jesus acknowledged himself, this power, saying, she has done a beautiful thing to me. She has prepared me for my burial. Mary's act of love had a profound impact on Jesus and those around her, even if initially they didn't get it. And what's beautiful is that this grace and mercy, in his grace and mercy, Jesus wastes nothing that we offer him. What seemed a waste to Judas and those onlookers in the room, Jesus embraced. What might seem like a waste in your life, if you let him, he will embrace it and through his grace, he will work through you with it. He's the only one who brings freedom. He's the only one who brings beauty out of ashes. He is the only one who brings hope out of despair and he can bring what is wasteful and use it for his glory. There's power in what is caught. And what, as his followers, we carry that wherever we go. That phrase, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume, reminds me of a story of a different type of smell. When um, this time last year, actually, Rachel and I with the boys, we were on our way on holiday. And uh, we, you know, had two under four years old at this stage of life. And um, if you've ever flown with young children, well, you prob- if you've flown at all and you've had young children, in that flight, it's just exhausting. Um, even if they're not your children, it's just annoying. We, we acknowledge that. We're thank, thankful for your grace if um, that's not you at the moment or you've gone through that season of life. But the reality is we'd had like an average to poor flight. It was okay. We'd had a few screams, a few shouts, a few knocks on the head, that kind of thing. And that was just Rachel. Um, but the, what ended up happening is as we landed, our youngest decided that was the moment to project our vomit all over her mum, his mum, and his dad. You can imagine those eyes on us straight away as the smell began to fill the, the cabin. And you can imagine how quickly people were keen for us to get off the plane, to get to the front of the queue, to get onto our own personal bus, to get to the airport. And just to fast forward that story even further, having missed the bus we were meant to get to get to the hotel, to skip the whole queue for taxis, to go straight to the front. No one had any objection because we smelt that bad, even an hour and a half later. There's power. In Jesus, we carry his power. We're called as disciples, as followers, to smell like Jesus. It's called to have and carry the aroma 
of Christ. Let me ask you a question. Do you smell like Jesus or do you smell bad? Do you smell like Jesus? And the way we smell like Jesus, the way we get that power is by becoming proximate to the one who is all-powerful. The way we receive that power is to get on our knees and to embrace and to understand all that he has given to us. But sometimes we smell bad. It's amazing what comes off us. Even this last week, a lot of stuff happens for us in the car and when we're traveling, it just seems to be the case. We were in a queue um, on our way to uh, school and I was getting frustrated um, and so please forgive me. I beat the horn. Um, I'm sorry if it was any of you. Beat the horn and I said, oh, so frustrating, so annoying. And uh, Noah, um, who'd been quite quiet on this trip so far, just kind of chirped up saying, what a plonker. (laughs) To which Rachel said, Noah, where have you learned that word, plonker? And he said, daddy. (laughs) People catch what we're carrying. They catch how we're behaving. They catch what we're saying. Those in the room in this moment, they would have caught and been caught up, even though it was uncomfortable, caught up in the smell, even in the aftermath of what had happened. It was like it is for us when we sit around a barbecue or we sit around a fire. We end up smelling of that for a long time after. And as we saturate our lives with Jesus, we're changed and we carry his power wherever we go and others get caught up in it too. You have the power in your sphere of influence. You have the authority of Jesus to demonstrate and proclaim the kingdom of God wherever you go. Our world needs healing. The same power that conquered sin and darkness on the cross as we lead up towards Easter and we remember all that Jesus did for us on the cross. The power that broke the chains, that brings freedom, the power that three days later raised from the dead, giving us hope for a life beyond this life. It lives in us, and so it can live through us. And so that kind of extravagant power, knowing that power and knowing the costs, it will require a response. Extravagant love requires a response. This story highlights the importance of how we choose to respond. Not everyone responded positively to Mary, as we've said. Judas Jesus um, was one of Jesus' disciples and he criticises her for wasting the perfume and suggests it could have been given to the poor. Jesus rebukes him saying, well, leave her alone. She has done what she could. Jesus recognised and honoured Mary's act of love, even when the others around didn't understand it. He says, you will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. This response does not teach us to ignore the poor. In fact, completely the opposite. Jesus was quoting part of Deuteronomy 15.11 as a reminder that we must always care for them. That's what we do here at St. Peter's. That's what we believe in. And that's what we are going to continue to do here. But this was a unique act for a unique occasion. It was an anointing and a prophetic act that anticipated Jesus' burial and a public declaration of faith in him as Messiah. She'd made this sacrifice out of her love and her devotion to Jesus and her actions point beyond this to Jesus' own sacrifice out of his love and devotion to the world. So this challenges us to consider how do we respond to acts of love and devotion from others? Do we honour and celebrate them if they're for us or if they're for others or do we criticise and judge them? 
Judas didn't get it, did he, Judas? Soon he was going to sell Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. That's equivalent to about 300 pounds. You can see the contrast in the finances here. You may be like Jesus, but you might also be like a little bit more like Judas at times. I can be, you know, selling Jesus for a little bit of myself every now and then, selling him short. Where, we, where have you sold him short in your life? Because our devotion to God should be focused on the things that are truly important. Mary's act of devotion was not about the perfume itself, no, but about love and the honour that she was showing to Jesus. It was an expression of gratitude. She was grateful for all that Jesus had done for her and was going to do for her. Her actions were a way of showing her appreciation for his life, his death and his resurrection. When we're exposed to him, we want to thank him. When we're exposed to him, we want to say sorry to him. Mary knew that. She had an honest, vulnerable relationship with him. He wants the same for us. When we choose to get proximate, when we choose to get close to him, we begin to sense the things that are painful for him that are going on in us. Sometimes, though, I think we don't want to get too close at risk of what it might mean for us, what it might mean we have to lay down, what it might mean for us to drop. But he wants us to be free. He wants us to fly. He wants us to know total healing and redemption. He wants us to know no shame or guilt. He wants nothing to hold us back. To do this, we need to learn to welcome him into every area of our lives, especially the uncomfortable parts, both privately and publicly. It's interesting, Martha, when Lazarus died, she had a profound one-on-one moment with Jesus privately, but we never see it go public. Judas, he had a public association with Jesus. He was one of the chosen 12, but privately he was miles away from Jesus in his heart. Mary, she has a public and a private relationship with him. And she doesn't care what others think. What about us? Jesus is not only our saviour, but he's also our friend. He calls himself a friend of sinners and we don't need to protect ourselves from him. We don't need to be afraid of what it means when we get up close and personal. He wants us to know no shame or guilt. Do you know in heaven, if we believe in Jesus, we believe that there's life after this life, right? In heaven, we won't experience shame and guilt anymore. But Jesus wants us to know that reality now. And that's possible through his spirit. As we approach the cross, let us be reminded that our worship, not just on a Sunday, but our lives should be marked by the extravagance of our love for him. And as we get a greater revelation of Jesus, our worship will become greater. Not just on a Sunday, but with our whole lives, our public and our private lives with Jesus will become greater. We'll grow in courage to share Jesus with those around us. We'll be prepared to be misunderstood and we'll be prepared to stand out knowing that we carry power because Jesus lives within us by the power of his spirit. For some of us, he's asking us today, will you do what Mary's done and come and bow the knee? Come, repent, say thank you and let him work on every area of your life, no matter what it might cost you. Amen? Amen. Why don't we stand together? We're going to take some time to pray. And the Holy Spirit's here. It's...
He's always here. But why don't we just, as a sign of saying we're willing to receive and be open to what he might want for us this morning, should we just put our hands out in front of us as a sign of, I, I want to receive afresh from you, Jesus. We say, come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. I think there's a few um, kind of categories, people that the Lord wants to minister to this morning. Um, So just as you're receiving and just asking the Lord to see if any of these are for you. I think some of us, if we're honest, we, we have our eyes on ourselves or maybe even eyes on each other. And I think he's asking us this morning to get our focus again on him alone. I think for some of us, he's saying, are you prepared to be all in? Not just the bits that we're happy with giving him, but every area of our lives. I think for others, he's, he acknowledges and there's like a, oh, I am embarrassed to talk about Jesus. I think by the power of his spirit, he wants to give a new courage and boldness to share. So Holy Spirit, would you come and minister now? Speak to our hearts. Come Holy Spirit. people in the room thought it was extravagant that she was going to pour out a year of her life but that was nothing compared to what he was going to do when Jesus poured out everything he had for us on the cross and if you don't yet know Jesus if you don't yet know that you've received him and said come and live in my life come be the center of my life I want to give you an opportunity to give your life to him now I'm just going to pray a short prayer And if you'd like to receive that love that he poured out for you on the cross, you can just pray this prayer and know that you've started a journey with him. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you poured yourself out for me on the cross. I'm sorry for when I don't get it and when I put myself at the centre and I ask that you would be the centre of my life. Jesus, help me to follow you. Amen. 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 If you prayed that for the first time, we would love to chat with you. If you came with a friend, do let them know. Or, or well, we're going to pray, aren't we, now in yeah. the front? Yeah. So, the prayer ministry team like to come forwards. And um, if you would like prayer for anything, we would love to pray for you. But I, I think there were one or two things that you had as well. Yeah, I just, I think for, um, I think there was that sense just of actually just coming to surrender again. Um, and, and if that's you, I want to encourage you to come and, and, and come and bow the knee if you can do that, if you feel comfortable doing that. Um, I, I think there was also, particularly, there are some people that are just really, really, actually, you, 
you recognize that you just are nervous that you're going to be misunderstood when you fully share what you believe and, and you want to make your relationship with Jesus no longer kind of private on a Sunday but, but public I think the Lord wants to just bring his um, peace to that so if that's you why don't you come down to the front um, he, he, he's going to he's, he's here already but I think the Lord wants to just do some, some work this morning and I think for others that are just feeling a bit distant this morning, um, he, just, he just says, look, I'm your friend. Um, just come and become proximate to me again. It's beautiful. We, we've been um, hearing amazing stories from um, the Asprey awakening that happened in America. Um, and really, like, we don't want to overcomplicate it, but I think one of the main things that they noticed was just as they left space and gave space um, they saw the Spirit of God fall. And there was like a new intimacy. It's like the Spirit of intimacy. Jesus' intimacy was wanting to minister in a new way. And so if you're just, actually, I just need to create some space right now for some intimacy with Jesus. I just want to encourage you to come and do that.